cotton cucumber, suede broccoli, denim carrots, polyester pickles, rayon radishes, silk zucchini, wool celery, flannel turnips, or satin potatoes. Some of these things may exist and they may not exist. I don't know. But I'll tell you what does exist, and that is the one and only Velvet Cauliflower. That is our guest today on the podcast, and we are crazy excited to have her. Velvet is uh, an extremely accomplished person that has uh, influenced the lives of so many people. And I've never met a person that didn't absolutely fall in love with her. Um, She is just a lovable person. She has Jesus just flowing out of her. And uh, I've known Velvet for a long time. And uh, I thought, what better person to have on the podcast uh, than her? She, She loves with the love of Jesus. It's a very intentional love. Um, And she loves uh, just discipling. And one of the things that we're going to find out today on the podcast is Velvet's conversation with God and where she was praying with God and talking to him and almost kind of upset with God. And, you know, I step back and I look at a lot of times we think that our prayer life has to be so structured and you have to do it in this order. And, you know, it doesn't have to be. In fact, you can be upset or frustrated with God. It's okay. In fact, if you are upset or frustrated with God, tell him. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Um, You can yell at God. You can scream at God. You can express frustrations to God because he already knows it anyway. But I remember talking with someone a while back and they had told me something they they read in a devotional or something and they were saying that one of the things that they found so true is that when we talk with God in prayer with God um, we're we're constantly in this communication with him that our relationship with God becomes more and more intimate Um, when we are you know thoroughly throughout the day um, talking with him, expressing to him what's going on, um, asking for advice, asking for guidance, different things like that. We have this closeness, this oneness, this, this intimacy with him that is so second to none. And the, the equivalent I have to look at this as is if you have a friend and you only talk to them once every 10 years or something like that. They can still be your friend. We're not disputing that. But that's not the type of relationship that God wants. He doesn't want the relationship where he's only talking to you once every 10 years. God wants the relationship where he's talking to you every day. Do you have those kind of friends? Well, you're talking with them almost every day. Something major happens in your life you instantly grab your phone to text your friend. Um, That type of relationship. Uh, Something uh, major goes on. Um, Something tragic happens. Um, You get a promotion or you lose your job or um, you find out that you're pregnant or 
whatever the case may be. It may be major, it may be small, but whatever it is, you're going to shoot them a text. You're going to call them. You're going to get together and grab dinner with them. Whatever it is, there's a closeness with that friend. That's the type of friend that God wants to be. In fact, he wants to be more than a friend, but that's just an example that I'm using. Um, he wants that closeness, that intimacy. He, he wants to be the first thing that, that crosses your mind when something major happens. He wants to, to be the very first person that you go to when a tragedy occurs because he knows already he wants to have this communication with you. Um, we believe that God is the creator God. And because God is this creator God, he wants to have intimacy with his creation. He doesn't just want robots. He wants us to freely choose to talk with him and to love him and to be close to him. And so as we have this relationship with God and we go throughout life, it's not about being the once every 10 year friend. You know, I'm only going to talk with God even when bad things occur. I know I've been guilty of that before. I've gone a period where only the bad things is when I would talk with God. And most of the time when I'm talking with him, I have this sort of Santa Claus approach to God where I go to him whenever I want something. I go to him when I want a present or I want my, what I want. But see what happens when there are good times. Do I still go to God? Um, one of my friends had told me one time, he's a pastor, he said, I've never had anybody come into me and say, man, I need you to pray for me. My life's been going really good lately. <laughs> they always say, I need you to pray for me because things are awful. My world's falling apart. Nothing seems to be working right. And that's a lot of times, I think, how we view him as... An insurance policy, that fire insurance, he's a good thing to have when things go wrong, but when things are going okay, I just won't think about him. But that's not what he desires or longs for at all. He desires to be in your every day, your moment by moment, when you're driving to work, hey, when you're in class, when you're working. When you're at home, when you're spending time with people, he wants to be right in the center, right in the middle of what's going on in your life. He longs for it. He desires to have a closeness with you. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's comforting because I serve a God that comes after me. He seeks me. He longs for me. I don't have to try and please him enough to the point that he might listen. He's going to listen. Now, I may not always like the answer. <laughs> that happens often. But I'm thankful that I serve a God that listens when I talk, that I don't have to have some middleman to go through, that I have a direct line to, and I know, no matter what the outcome, he is going to do what's best. Now, a lot of times I, I'm upset because I think it's what's, I want what's best for me. But he's always going to do what's best for the kingdom. And at the end of the day, that's truly what my heart longs for.
So my encouragement to you, I guess, would be this. When's the last time you talked with God? When's the last time that you expressed to him your overwhelming happiness? When's the last time you talked to him when you were sorrowful? When's the last time you talked with him when things were okay? He wants to hear that. He wants to know that. He wants this closeness with you. So I urge you, I nudge you, please become more intimate with God um, in your prayer life. Prayer doesn't always have to be on your knees, closed eyes, hands together. See, you can talk with Jesus when you're just driving in your car. And I really hope you don't drive with your eyes closed. That would be an awful thing. But see, you can talk with him whenever. There's no ritualistic what have you. Just talk with Jesus. Become closer with him. And see what kind of relationship develops out of that. It's exciting. Well, without further ado, we are going to have the Velvet Cauliflower. Let's start the show. Yes. <laughs> you got me straight up tripping, boo. You dipping and dapping and don't know what's happening. They was grabbing hankies, waving blankies. They was running them aisles up in there. I respect your opinion. You're wrong. Thanks for joining us today. Um, uh, we have a very special guest today. And if you're reading it online, you weren't misreading it. We truly have the one, the only Velvet Cauliflower with us today. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today, Vel. Oh, you're welcome, Nick. It's my privilege. <laughs> we we love it's you to death. Privilege. And I'm glad that you were, you were able to find some time in your schedule to talk with us and, and, uh, we just want to hear about some stuff that you've been a part of and we're excited about it. Yeah, good. I am too. I'm excited (laughs) to do it for you. This is great. Yeah. So, all right, Val, I've asked a lot of people this, and so it's always interesting to hear the answer to this question, but when you were, um, you're growing up and you're going through, you know, your walk with Christ and things like that. And you felt a, a call to ministry. Um, was it like an aha moment where you, you know, you go, well, from this point on, I I know that I, I'm called. Or was it more like a progressive thing that happened for you? Because we've, we've heard different answers, but it's always interesting to hear um, what how, how did that happen for you? Um, well, in growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, per se. Um, My parents were divorced, and um, my father, uh, we, my father had custody of my brother and I, and he worked two jobs as long as I can remember all the years growing up. And so um, for our care, he placed us in a children's home. So we spent a number of years our childhood years in a children's home. And it wasn't until he remarried our stepmother um, that we started attending um, 
the church where I spent my teen years. And I struggled as a teenager um, with God. <laughs> I really did. Um, I, at different times that I have shared my testimony, um, I remember the church where, where we were going and attending and where I basically uh, set my feet down, you know, and got planted, uh, I would say, uh, was First Church in Columbus. And uh, many, many times, every, every single altar call, I was down front. <laughs> it didn't matter so how many there were. Pardon me? I said it didn't matter how many there were, you were there. Every time. I wore the carpet out. You know, I just, <laughs> because I'd go down and I'd surrender, and the next morning I was filled with anger and hatred and from my past and different individuals. And um, so all I kept thinking, well, that didn't take, that didn't take. So I'd try again and I'd try again and I'd try again. And um, finally, uh, about when I was 19, and this is really a short synopsis of how God was moving and working, because, um, but at 19, I just was so fed up with playing the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to church, I was going forward, I was trying, and I was doing everything that I could possibly do <laughs> uh, to be a Christian, and it wasn't working. My heart was just hard, and it was, I was in a dark place. So about 19, uh, we had, our church had camp meetings out on Morris Road, and I went with a group from church, um, but my whole intent was, at the end of that service, was one more time I was going to go forward, but this time my intent was I'm going to go forward and I'm going to tell God I'm done with him. I can't do this. It's not possible. Um, I'm done. And so that was my intent. I sat with my friends. We waited. Altar call came. I went forward. Um, I knelt. I was not sobbing. I was not crying. My intent was, I'm going to tell God I'm done with him. And uh, a young pastor at that time uh, came uh, down and knelt beside, in front of me. And uh, he, of course, thought I was there to be saved <laughs> or to repent or to whatever, you know, whatever I had done for years at yeah. the altar. <laughs> and, um, and I thought it just didn't take. <laughs> uh, and he asked me, he said, how can I pray for you, young lady? And I said, well, you can't because I'm here to tell God I'm done with him. Oh. I'm just done with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> oh, really? And I said, yeah. I said, I've tried this. And I said, I, for a long time, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. And it's just not working. And I can't do it. And he looked me straight in the eye. And Alan, forgive me, Nick, if I can't, because this, this is emotional for me. Absolutely, yeah. Because this is what God did. <laughs> but this. 
pastor looked me straight in the eye and he said, you know, young lady, you cannot. You cannot do this. You cannot. And um, he said, when you do it and try and try in your own strength, uh, you will always fail because you can't. Mm -hmm. And he opened up his Bible to Philippians 4.13. I didn't know that's what it was then. Yeah. Um, and he said, I want you to read this. And I, it, I almost sarcastically went, oh, you know. But out of respect for him, I, I said, okay. Uh, and I just started rattling off. I can do all things. And no, no, no. He said, stop. Put your name in there. What is your name? And I said, my name is Velvet. He said, I want you to put your name in there. I, Velvet, and then read it. And I read it. And before I finished with that short little verse, which now has become my life verse, mm -hmm. um, I, I was... I was a I was a basket case. I, was, I see. I bet. I, I, I was. I was. Um, I was transformed. I mean, God moved, and He said, "Read it over again," and I did. And He said, "Now, Velvet, there is no way you can live this life. This life that God has asked us to live without His strength." And he said, I want you to take this verse, and I want you to put it somewhere where you see it always. And from that time on, Nick, my life verse has been somewhere in my office, in my home, in my, you know, uh, in my heart. And I've, I've, I go back to it that moment and that time and, and my verse. Over and over and over, when God has, when God has called, or God has spoken, or God has said, "You go here, you do this," I go back. So, let's fast forward. <laughs> and um, I worked as a hairdresser for nearly almost thirty years, and served as. Uh, my husband and I and our son served in church and we were good church people. We were good lay people. We, you know, and God used all those years to teach me and to grow me and to discipline me and to help me. And, uh, and uh, one day I realized that I could not stay standing on my feet the rest of my working years and that and I really felt God just releasing me from that vocation. Yeah. And but I didn't know what else I was going to do. Yeah. And in the meantime, I was teaching a quote unquote young adult class. Uh, it was more of a college career type class mm -hmm. at First Church, the very church where I had gone as a young teen. Um, and, um, that to me was a huge challenge. And so I began to take some classes, um, at Mount Vernon 
so that I could be a better Sunday school teacher. I was teaching college kids, and I didn't have a college degree. I was a hairdresser, for crying out loud. I just, I didn't feel like I could measure up, except I knew that's where God wanted me, and I wanted to do my best. So I just took some classes, some Bible classes, so that I could better teach this college career class. And the longer I taught that class and the more I realized that God was about ready to move me out of my vocation, um, the pastor at the church came to me and he said, I understand you're looking to change direction, you know, in your life uh, as far as your, your vocation is concerned. And I said, yeah, I just, I can't work the 12, 14-hour days any longer on my feet. And I just need, uh, I know it's time. Um, And so he offered me a position as the church secretary there at the church. And I I just, really? (laughs) I said, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. You know, yeah. And he said, well, he said I've got a, uh, a man that'll teach you, and that's when I met Steve Myers. And, well, that's not when I met him, but he began to teach me. And uh, the only the uh, stipulation was, uh, if I was going to work in the church office, I had to be in love with God, and I had to be good with people. Well, you see, God took care of all that because. I definitely was in love with God, and I had almost 30 years, by that time, 30 years experience working with people, and so the technical stuff, uh, Steve taught me how to do. I wasn't a great church secretary, but I gave it the best that I knew, Sure. and I loved working with the people. It was, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, it was several years after that. Um, I just, I kept taking classes, um, I kept growing, I kept teaching, I kept loving on the young adults, and, um, the more I grew and the more I loved on these kids, the more I realized, uh, God's doing something here. (laughs) I don't know what this is, but God's doing something here. And I began during that time to mentor young, young adults to do Bible studies with them, uh, to spend time with them, and to love on them. Um, and Steve and I together would plan and organize our retreats and take them on retreats. And all this time, God was working in my heart, leading me to a place. And the very, the very night that I really felt God's thumb in my back, uh, I really struggled with that. Uh, that I was to be full-time ministry and um, and just to go to credentials. Did I hear an audible call? No, but I know that God and I struggled. <laughs> you guys had words. Uh, had, yes, <laughs> and I begged him. I said, I can't do this, Lord. I just can't. You know I can't do this. <laughs> and... Of course, what always came back to mind was, I, Velvet, can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mm. 
And he kept bringing that up over and over. And I said, you know, God, if, if this is what you want, it really, um, then you're going, you're going to have to work in my husband's heart. And my mother-in-law, I was caring for her and she was, you know, uh, elderly. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to work all this out. And after several hours of praying and begging God not to, not to make me do this. Um, I just released it. And I said, you know, whatever. Whatever it is you want of me, I will do. But you'll have to walk with me every single step. And um, so I kind of put the burden back on God. And I said, <laughs> this is what you want. I'm willing. You know, I'm willing. But you'll have to do it. And so then I started taking more classes and signed up through the district and got the local license and then the district license and um, worked then through all of what needed to be done required by the denomination to be uh, for ordination. Um, the call to preach did not come until I was probably halfway through my classes. Mm -hmm. And so I had to change uh, from, I had to change in the course of study to an elder's course of study. Um, Instead of a by deacon? By that time. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. And um, I just, you know, so I guess that was a progressive thing, rather. I just told a young lady that I'm mentoring here last night, I don't know that I've ever, ever experienced the audible voice of God as, as you and I are talking and we can hear each other. But there is no denying that I have felt the, the handprint of God in the direction in my life and in my call into ministry. Uh, he has just laid it out so clear. There were times in, in my classes that I would be studying, I would think, oh, God, I can't do this. I don't get this, you know. Okay, this is what I'd say. Okay, God, if you're done with me, and this is as far as I'm supposed to go, then I know this is the class that I'm going to fail, and I'll know I'm done. <laughs> and honestly, Nick, it never happened. I got very good grades all through school, um, completed all of my work, I uh, did, and I know, I just absolutely know that was not possible unless God had his handprint all over my life. And um, so that's a long way to answer that question. I know it is. Uh, that's but okay. That's I love how it. it happened. That's how it happened for yeah. me. That was, so it was, kind, that's kind of my testimony but also um, how God led through the years. Uh, and that isn't even great. I did a chapel service for Kendra one time up at Mount Vernon, and that's what she wanted. She wanted in great detail. And I said, Kendra, how long are chapel services? Because <laughs> this takes a while. <laughs> so uh, you got the short version <laughs> of God's call. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it's always interesting, you know. I I know that there are times in my life too where um, I would sit back and go, <laughs> "Do you know how big this task is, God?" Um, yeah. I don't know if you know yeah. what you're getting me into. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's one of those things where there's no task that's bigger than He is. That's for sure. Right. Um, right. But I think and, a lot of times people, and I, I, oh, I can't stand this phrase. God never gives you more than you can handle. Yes, he does. Right. If God didn't give you any he more does. than you can handle, there'd but be no need for God. But he make you adequate to handle it, you know, because the whole thing, the whole thing, and Nick, I'm almost 70 years old, and I have learned in these last years, I never want to quit learning, ever, 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 no. because learning is growing. But these last few years, it's, it really is not making me even adequate. It is God living in us and through us. And God is adequate for everything. And if so if we are so emptied out, so poured out, and then filled up with Him and His Spirit, we know that at the time that we surrender ourselves, that His Spirit lives in us. Yep. And so it, it isn't even Him making us adequate. It is just us being the empty vessel that He begins to use or the instrument. I, I have so many illustrations that I have used through the years of when I was cutting hair and doing hair. And I had all kinds of instruments and, and tools that I used for different reasons and different purposes. But I had to have them all ready for service when I picked them up and was ready to make the commitment, ready to cut, ready to do whatever, they had to be ready there mm -hmm. at my fingertips. And that's how I look at our service. We are nothing we are nothing more that instrument that God uh, uses and puts into use and um, that's and to me, that's why we were created. Because in in that type of surrender, in that that um, that willing obedience, that is what brings glory to Him. That brings glory to Him. Well, and I think a lot of times the fear comes from we don't view ourselves as instruments. Um, for instance. Um, when you look in scripture and it talks about, you know, a voice of one calling in the desert, that Greek word is the word phone. And it's not meaning that you're a phony, <laughs> but it's the idea that you're, you're a telephone. You're in fact, you're John the Baptist. Yeah. You're a megaphone. Yeah. So yeah. we are not to be the source of the sound. We're only the instrument that carries it. And I think a lot of times fear comes Good. from. Us being, we go, oh, I have to somehow come up with the source for whatever. No, we're not the source. No. no we're not the source. No, we're the echoing no. wall. We're the thing that, that the source is, you use yeah. through. Um, God's the source. But I think a lot of times we fear that we have to come up with stuff. What am I going to say to them right. that's going to change them? Nothing. You're not going to change no, them. No. No. You're not going to change them. You're not going to fix them. You're only going to be... Um, available and willing to do whatever it is God leads you to do. The, 
Philippians 4.13 doesn't say, I, Velvet, can do all things in my own strength and in my own power. It says, I can't do anything without the strength and the power that God provides for me. And not only provides, but sustains it in me. You know, it is, it is an ever-flowing strength and power. Literally, literally, Nick, day by day, I, I looked to, I looked to the Father for daily, daily strength. Because as things happen in life and things, you know, the cards are dealt, as the world would say, or mm -hmm. we would say, you know, as God allows things to happen in life, some of them are tough, some of them are struggles, some of them, uh, a lot of it is just not easy. Does that mean that God loves us less because he allows these things? Not in my opinion. To me, it's God says, I love you so much that I'm going to pay attention to you in this manner, and I'm going to strengthen you and grow you and allow this situation or these circumstances to draw you closer and closer to me. And to me, that is a privilege. Yeah. So... Can I sit back and say, during difficult times and circumstances, ah, thank you, God. Thank you. Because he's paying attention to me. Yeah. He's allowing us to walk through this thorny pathway of whatever, disease or illness, whatever it is, financial, whatever, so that we can be so dependent on him for the strength that we need to get through that, you know? Paul says that all through his letter. And, of course, Philippians is one of my favorite books, uh, Philippians and Isaiah, but Paul says over and over, rejoice, rejoice. When it gets tough, when it gets hard, rejoice. You know, God is near. He's closer than he's ever been, you know? Uh, lean on him, draw from him, and then... When you look through all that and through the thorns and the bush and the disease and the failure and whatever, you will see him smiling because you've been victorious. You've depended on him. You've helped him. And then when the next one comes, you'll be even stronger because you've gotten through that. A rope is never, ever tested in a calm sea. Yeah. It's always tested when it really gets rough. It's true. And, you know, my Keith served in the Navy for years. And, you know, I, we used to talk about Navy. And there's so many analogies you can use. But, but you never know how strong a vessel is going to be until it's tested. You know? Um, and so, you know, I, sometimes I just say, bring it on, God. Bring it on. Yeah. It'll just draw me closer. <laughs> you know? So, anyway. That's awesome. I love it. That's great. What? Okay, so a lot of people listening to this either are in ministry or maybe they're first getting the call to ministry. Maybe they're trying to figure out if they have a call to ministry. Um, could be younger, could be older, whatever it is. Um, what, what are some, I don't even want to call them tips, what's some advice that you've received along the way or some advice that you have just experienced and come up with 
um, that you could pass along to somebody who who might be listening. Um, I know I always I always need advice because um, I don't have it all together. That's for sure. I thought I did, but apparently God <laughs> said no. Um, so, <laughs> and a really resounding no, I guess. But um, yeah. but what what's some advice that you could give some people that might be listening? Well, the first thing is, I'm, I'll soon be 70. I don't have it all together yet either, Nick. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. Because to me, it is constant emptying out and constant being filled. And that's, that's an ongoing constant, you know. Um, it's constant learning. Um, some of the things that I've learned that God has taught me through the years um, Never, ever, 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 ever take your eyes off of Jesus. Jesus was the perfect example of who God the Father really is. And if we can pattern our lives after Jesus, um, then I think we can get it right. Now, there's a lot of uh, rabbit trails that Satan will try to take us all off on <laughs> to take us from that focus point of Jesus. One is getting full of ourselves. You know, look what I've accomplished. <laughs> look how far I've come. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've done this, or I have this many letters behind my name. I have masters in this and a PhD in this, and da 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 da. And nowhere did I ever see that Jesus called those. Um, that had lots of letters behind their name or in front of their name or whatever. Um, Jesus spoke into the hearts and lives of everyday people. And he used everyday analogies and everyday things to teach with. And so I just, I think, um, just as soon as we feel like we've, uh, arrived at having a really humble spirit, we can be assured that we haven't, you know? And so I think to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and to stay in his word, um, I think as long as, this has been my thought for years and years and years, and God has impressed me, that as long as I'm communicating with him, and as long as I'm, and I mean on a consistent basis, I don't mean once a month, I don't mean, I mean if I'm communicating with God on a daily basis, sometimes throughout the day, then I can pretty much know what he'll want me to do because that's what his spirit in me will convict me on or teach me or lead me Um and so, you know, it's my responsibility, my choice, when I get up in the morning and have my conscious being, um, to just be aware of his presence and live, choose to live that life in his presence. And um, ministry is hard. It is hard. Uh, because ministry is made up of human beings 
and we all make our mistakes. We all, you know, um, have a tendency and are tempted to get our eyes on ourselves, you know. And when that happens, we, you know, that means we need to refocus, get back to Jesus, mm -hmm. keep our eyes focused on Jesus, you know. And um, the ministry isn't about, oh, look what I've done. Uh, look what God has done through me, you know. Look at the, the tapestry that he's woven with the lives that he's sent across our paths, you know. So it's really nothing about what we do. And oftentimes, I think, I saw this in ministry, we get, we get so busy. <laughs> we get so busy doing, 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 doing. And sometimes we need to just be. Um, we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our neighborhood, uh, at the grocery store, on the highway when a dude cuts us off. You know, um, if we're going to make a difference in this world, I think, Nick, um, we have to look different, behave different, talk different, um, and it has to be outside the walls of the brick and mortar. Uh, we are the church. We are the church. And we have to behave like Jesus wants us to behave and be the church that God has called us to be outside the building. And I think that's the only way we're going to make a difference in the world. Um, people that do not know God, do not recognize God, are not going to come through the doors. Um, they're going to look at our lives. And they're going to look at the way that we love. And if we can't love the way that Jesus taught us to love each other from the heart, I mean, that was the greatest commandment. If we can't do that, uh, and if churches end up bickering and fussing and, you know, and it becomes all about themselves and how they can grow and the money they can save, and <laughs> when it becomes all about that, then it's, um, it's not, they're not being a place where people really want to come into. Yeah. So that says to me, now, I have nothing against, I'm part of a wonderful church, and I love our church, and I love what they do inside those walls, but my passion doesn't always lay within the walls. The church, the church is the place where I go and I worship God, you know, as, in, as his word asks us to do. Um, um, through singing and fellowshipping and serving and so on and so forth. But I don't think Sunday and or whatever day you choose to go with is the only day that I can worship. You know, I, I many, many times, well, almost daily, I feel that I can worship God right here on my front porch when my neighbors come over and sit down and have a cup of 
uh, coffee or a glass of iced tea with me. And we can talk. And I can share Jesus with them. You know, um, I can share Jesus when I go over to the grocery store and, you know, uh, help somebody with their groceries or carry them or whatever. That's what, that's the advice I would give somebody. Keep your eyes on Jesus and do what he did. And um, it makes, it makes ministry, the struggle of ministry worth it. I think Jesus is worth it regardless, you know. Yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, I mean, it, and it talks about in James, consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations of many kinds. Yeah. And we yeah. step back and we yeah. go, how? <laughs> yeah. Because I don't like to suffer. You know, I'm a wimp. I think it says, I think it says in James 1, 5, with pure joy. <laughs> yeah. That's the catch. And a lot of people can go through trials and tribulations, but do we? what's the attitude of our heart as we're going through it? And yeah. I think uh, it, the intent was we do it with thanksgiving and with joy that God has chosen. Um, I mean, he allowed Job to go through all of that because he said he is faithful. And he trusted Job with the trials and the tribulations. So I say, hallelujah, yeah. God has trusted me to go through these difficult times. You know, that, what a privilege, mm -hmm. what a privilege. So that can fill me with joy. Is it easy? <laughs> no. No. Absolutely not easy. Not easy. Uh, ministry is not easy. But when it gets difficult, God says, I can fill you with the strength and power and I can give you joy. I will. He wants us to have joy. And it's, you know, it's ministry a lot of times, at least what I'm finding is, um, it's difficult, it's tough, but then there's those little times where somebody has an aha moment or somebody, you say something <laughs> that clicks <laughs> in their brain. Yeah. And you step back yeah. and they go, oh, I get that. And you go, thank you, Jesus. Like you, you know, yeah. you're just kind of, it's yeah. like you've just been beaten down and you're just, oh, I don't know if I could go one I more day remember, with this. And then God gives I you that little nugget. I remember a young man <laughs> at First Church that I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. He was struggling. He was struggling. He was struggling, and I also remember at the time I got a phone call and saying, Belle, I think God wants me to go in ministry. Now, God didn't call this young man in ministry on a mission trip, which I had asked God to do, <laughs> uh, but he waited until, you know, a while after, and that's when I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. So, yes, you're right. Those aha moments when you see uh, all of the years and the history, and then you look and you go, thank you, Jesus. wasn't anything I did. This was a God thing. This was a God thing. You know, so in ministry, it's not going to be anything that 
that you do, you're just the instrument, you know, willing to serve, regardless of how that is and where it is and what capacity, you know. Years ago, I had a district superintendent say uh, to us, he was in our home, he and his wife having dinner with us. And I told him what a privilege it was to have him in our home. And he said, oh, oh no, no, no. He said, I'm just a servant. I would be just as happy if I were scrubbing in the facilities, in the toilets, in the floor, whatever. As long as I can serve, that's what I promised God I would do. And I think that's the kind of heart that God uses, you know, in a mighty way. So, yeah, those aha moments in ministry make all the struggles worth it. Yeah. Was that was that guy that that called you and told you he's probably really good looking, wasn't he? Very good looking, yeah. very smart, strapping young um, lad. I, I always referred to him <laughs> as uh, a big teddy bear and yeah. a walking party. Yeah, <laughs> because because this young man is always up for a party. <laughs> oh brother! I bet you know his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bet it might sound familiar to me. I'm not 100% on that. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Isn't it fun to have history with people? It yeah. is. I love having history with people. It is. That's it, a God thing. That is a God thing. It is. It's it's neat to go see where we were yeah. and see where we are now. What? Yeah, exactly. How yeah. different that is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's and pretty that's, awesome. That's that's another. Um, you know, I often look at my own life, and I have used this so many times in teaching and in uh, sermons um, as a big puzzle piece. Uh, and God had His eyes. Obviously, from Scripture, we know from the moment before we are born, he has has his eyes on us and how his plan is to be fulfilled in our lives. Um, some of us get it off track, you know, but um, for a while, and thank God, his, through his love and grace, he brings us back. But I've often thought of my life as a big puzzle, and, you know, at the beginning, it was you know, have these dark pieces down around the bottom that you probably try to do first and when you're working a puzzle. And then as you work up into the picture, uh, it may get a little lighter and, you know. Um, and so every phase of my life, um, from the time I was very, very young and uh, from a very dysfunctional, broken family life, uh, those were kind of the dark edges of this puzzle, you know. And then as God moved and started fitting puzzle pieces together, and of course by the time I was 19, then he started putting them together a little quicker because I became more submissive and obedient. And now up here, I'm, I think he's working on this last corner up here. <laughs> for this phase, you know, and still working. And sure. I'm still learning and growing and and it's it's probably uh ninety percent done now, I don't know, but 
but that's and all the different pieces fit together and the people that God brings into your life for for a purpose um, and for his plan to be fulfilled in your life, you know. So I'm grateful for everyone. I, I really am. I just, uh, I'm more than thankful, more than thankful for the young adults that God has put in my life through the years that I have often called my adopted kids. And and he's still doing that, you know. I I had, we had Jamie and that was kind of it. We didn't have any others, but God has so filled our lives with young people that I just feel like I've had dozens of kids, you know. And God's just given me the privilege and the opportunity um, to just be a tiny part in each one's life. And I'm so thankful for that. So that's how God works. Yeah, that's awesome. His plan. The, it's his plan. Yeah. Yeah, we, we lose sight of that too often, I feel. At least I do. Yeah. I'm like, God, I yeah. don't know if you know what's going on down here, but, you know. But it's kind of the Ananias oh, thing where he, you know, Paul's struck blind. He's in the town and, and God goes to Ananias and says, I need you to go lay hands yeah. on this guy. And he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Who is it? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's Saul yeah. of Tarsus. Whoa. Uh-uh. You know, God, what do you... You know, you're older than dirt. What do you know? What's going on? And and God, it's my oh, love this. He says, "Go!" with an exclamation point behind it. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, don't you know that I got this under control? Like I know what's yeah. going to happen. Um, I'm the all powerful God. I got I got this. I got this. Yeah. This, yeah. this is nothing. Yeah. If I'm able to speak the world into existence, you don't think I can handle this little situation? But I think we lose sight of that sometimes. I don't know. At least I do. Um, Well, and and we sit and fret and worry. Well, how's this going to work? Or how's this, you know, how am I going to get through school? Or how's the finances going to happen? Or um, what if if I don't get grades? Or what if, 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 you know, those are horrible diseases, the what if disease. (laughs) Um, When we, we need to just sit back and say, this is your plan. You know, work it out. Mm-hmm. You know, we really don't have to be anxious for anything. Paul says that. And we, we experienced that, you know. Uh, and he experienced that in some very difficult situations through a lot of suffering. But it was God's plan. So whatever that meant that he needed to go through after, <laughs> after his uh, Ananias meeting, you know, <laughs> Paul made up his mind he was going to do it. Um, and so you just, if, once you make the commitment, you know, and, and God begins to, you know, he transforms that heart and that attitude and that life. Um, it, it takes a while to learn to just relax and let God fulfill the plan, you know, in, in your life. Um, that's what I have learned. You know, if I, if I were going to share with young people and or old people who have been called into ministry or who are being called, um, if we could learn early on 
just to let go and let God fulfill the plan and be obedient no matter what. Now, that's a, that's a tough statement because when you say no matter what, uh, God may require a great deal. Yeah. You don't know. Um, but if he requires it, you know, uh, however hard it is, it's just a moment-by-moment obedience. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So. Well, awesome. I, I've really enjoyed talking with you, Val. And um, do you have any what we call shameless plugs that you want to talk about, any ministries or anything <laughs> like that that you are just – you want to back and have shout outs if you want to say hi to anybody, whatever it is. Well, I just, I mean, um, I have a ministry that I support that's on Ohio State University campus. Um, a young lady um, that I've been supporting through um, a coalition for Christian campus ministries. And um, actually, I think it's called. Uh, Christian campus outreach, but um, any any of the um, biblically based um, missions on university campus, I think is uh, one. But and then of course uh, we're in Michigan, so I attend Williams Lake Church of the Nazarene, and it is a wonderful church and. Um, so if anybody hears this and they're in this area, they can come. Uh, I have a passion for young adults. I'd love to meet them and talk to them. And um, uh, So, you know, uh, Williams Lake Church of the Nazarene um, in Waterford, Michigan. So I'll give that plug for them because um, there is also a ministry uh, in Columbus when we were in Ohio. And the uh, ministry that I retired from is called Lower Lights uh, Community uh, Church of the Nazarene. And they, um, they're they a church that serves um, in an inner city community. And I've often said <laughs> this to many people, that I think um, Lower Lights probably does ministry um, more like Jesus that I saw Jesus do than any other I've ever seen. Um, not that I'm not saying anything negative about others, but I'm just, they really, um, they are the hands and feet of Jesus in that community. And um, they have a health center that they use uh, to minister and to serve the community. Um, for those that uh, do not, cannot afford uh, health services. They, and the church um, is uh, just a church. There's, it, there's nowhere you could go in Franklinton, Franklinton that the community wouldn't know about Lower Lights because they serve their community um, uh, as Jesus would. Yeah. So uh, just a kudos for Pastor Mike and the staff there and what they do. And um, I was privileged to work with them uh, shoulder to shoulder for several years. And um, 
just, I, I witnessed what they did, and uh, God bless them. <laughs> God bless them, you know. So, you know, they're in Franklinton area in Columbus, so if anybody's in that area and they hear this, um, it's a great church. Awesome. So kudos to the, you know, churches, it's very, very hard uh, in today's society because you don't see people flocking into the churches. And that's why I said, Nick, um, that's probably going to get worse as time goes on and before Jesus comes back. We as his children, we as people of God need to be out there. You know, not just in the buildings, sitting on the pews, but out there and genuinely in a, in a reality, making the love of Christ um, just shine through us, around us, loving on people that, you know, um, because, you know, Jesus didn't just shed his blood for a chosen few. He shed his blood for humanity. Mm-hmm. And I've often said, I, I, there are times that I am so blessed by that. Um, I'm sure that there is a drop of blood somewhere that Jesus shed that has my name on it. But I think there are people's names on every drop of blood that he shed. So, um, anyway. Those are the churches that I probably would say kudos to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Val, we really appreciate you taking time out of your day and talking with us, and uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you, and um, hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining us. I loved it, Nick. Thank you so much. You know I love you, and I think what you're doing is absolutely of God. I just, and I will... I will just be praying and praying that that uh, these podcasts and um, and your effort to try to get the word of God out um, and enlighten people will just grow and grow and grow. And I'll just be praying for you. You know, I love you, brother. <laughs> I love you too. Thanks for listening in today. Don't forget to check us out online at LegacyHelms.org or any of our other platforms such as iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Player FM. Please subscribe and write a review for us. We want to hear what you have to say. If you need t-shirts for your next big event, we've got you covered. Visit us on the website and click on the t-shirt quote page under t-shirts. If you would like Nick or Kendra to preach at your next retreat, revival, or camp, fill out the contact us form online under preaching. If you want to send us an email and get in contact with us, please do so and send it to legacyhelms at gmail.com. And as always, remember, don't let your meat loaf or your mop flop.